Well, let's look at the uh, first aspect, and we're only going to get to verse 13, and, and uh, the first half of verse 13. And, and what I want to share with you is how inevitable temptation is. And we're going to look at the first temptation, the last temptation, then we're going to look at Christ's temptation, whose ministry started with temptation and ended with temptation. Jesus was tempted in the wilderness at the beginning of his ministry. He was tempted in the garden at the end of his ministry. Humanity in the Garden of Eden, the pages of Scripture open with mankind faced with temptation. The pages of Scripture closed with mankind again tempted and succumbing and following the devil. Temptation is inevitable, but let's look at it. Because temptation is described in the Scripture as the irresponsible reaction of our wills. Yielding to the lust of our flesh, leading to sin. But that's not what God planned. And let me show you what I mean. Look at Genesis chapter 3. Uh, we've already looked at this. I'm only going to sketch it. But for those of you that don't know, Genesis 3 contains the record of the first temptation. The first temptation in God's word is in Genesis 3. And as we turn there, I want to remind you that almost all temptations will follow the same track. Now, they come in different colors, different packages. There are three basic uh, flavors of temptation, but all of them come in the same way. And they're described right here in Genesis chapter 3. Because Satan has four lies, four spiritual flaws. Satan is in an all-out attack to make us, in our minds, think wrongly about God. That's what temptation is all about. Temptation begins in the mind as we begin to ponder ways that are contrary to God. Usually, temptation takes a legitimate desire and makes us want to fulfill it in an illegitimate way. Our desires for pleasure, our desires for security, our desires for safety, our desires for success and happiness, none of those are evil of themselves. It's just how we get those desires fulfilled that becomes the sin. Let's look at this. In Genesis 3, verse 3, Satan that serpent of old, Revelation 12, ties all this together so we know that the serpent in the garden and the dragon in Revelation and the accuser all the way through the Old and New Testament is none other than Lucifer, the fallen archangel that was the covering angel that fell into sin, that led the whole universe into rebellion. But it, he is speaking and... Uh, uh, he starts talking in verse 1, actually, and he said to the woman at the middle and end of verse 1, Indeed, has God said, you shall not eat from any tree of the garden. You know, he's, he's starting to uh, uh, make her want to doubt God's word. Half God said, and his first effort is to make us doubt the word of God, detach ourselves from the word of God. And the woman said to the serpent, From the fruit of the tree of the garden we may eat, but from the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden... God has said you should not eat it or touch it lest you die. Uh, he wants us to, to doubt God's word. He wants us to, to doubt that God is good, that, that God's timing is good, that God's way he made us, how we look, how, what family we're in, where we are in life. He wants us to doubt the goodness of God because he says, hath God said you shall not. Uh, you know, is he limiting you? And that's a temptation. Thirdly, uh, in, in verse 4, the serpent wants us to doubt God's authority. The serpent said to the woman also, you surely shall not die. Don't listen to God. He's an ogre. You know, he's, you know, he's mean, too restrictive. Don't, don't listen to him. Doubt his authority. You won't die. Go ahead and try it. You know, and she touched it and didn't die. And she went, oh, see, nothing happens, you know. 
And that's what happens so often with sin, uh, especially with young people. Uh, they think that God is kind of like uh, the cosmic killjoy, that if they do anything wrong, he'll bang them right away. And God doesn't work that way. I've told you often about the little rabbit that I met once at O'Hare Field, you know, one of the largest airports in the world. And that rabbit didn't believe in airplanes. And it would come out on the edge of the tarmac and it would look at the control tower and it would raise its bunny paw and it'd say, I don't believe in airplanes, and if they're airplanes, come run me over. Never got run over. Doesn't believe in airplanes. You know, a lot of people are like that. I don't believe in God. If there's a God, as the atheists often say, strike me dead. God doesn't do that. And with people who get involved in sin and touch it, he doesn't immediately whack them. He doesn't lightning on them and strike them on the spot. But the inexorable machinery of lust giving forth and conceiving sin and bringing forth death is set in motion. And Satan wants us to doubt God's authority. When he says, you won't die, he was lying. He is a liar, the father of it. Look at verse 5. For God knows in the day that you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you'll be like God. You'll know good and evil. He wants you to doubt God's plan. God says, no, I don't want you to do that. God says specifically, he says, I don't want you young people to at all experience anything to do with the joys and the mysteries and the beauty of marriage. You know what our culture says? Try it out. If you don't try it out, we'll show it to you in school. We'll show you movies. We'll teach you how to not get in trouble. We'll, God won't kill you. In fact, you won't even get in trouble if you just follow our rules. And that is the permissive lie of Satan in our culture, in the moral realm, in the ethical realm, the whole moral relativism that, that you can tell a lie in one situation, you can't situational ethics. It's the whole plan of Satan. Number one, to doubt God's word in verse one. Has God said, uh, doubt God's goodness? Doesn't he want you to eat this? You mean he's holding it back from you? Don't, he's not very nice to you. Or your parents aren't very nice, or the government's not very nice. Whoever, you know, is God's authority in your life, you won't die. Your eyes will be open. Satan has always had these lies. It, it, it follows in every, in every temptation that follows this pathway. Now, you remember when we studied this many weeks ago, I told you that God counters that with his four spiritual laws. Every one of Satan's flaws has a law. And Satan wants you to doubt God's word. God says, trust my word. Satan wants you to doubt his goodness. God says, rest in my goodness. Satan wants you to doubt God's authority. God says, submit to my authority. And Satan wants you to doubt his plan. And God says, just follow it. It's the best way. God says, I already know life. I know the end. I've written the last page of the universe. He says, I know the best way for you to go. Follow my plan. Don't doubt it. Well...